0: This is Sylvia Schneider and Diana Belbar with Equinely Inclined, the equine podcast for the internet horse community. Episode 200, Focus on Horse Care with Heather Davis, founder and CEO of EquiHealth Canada. Recorded on May 28, 2020. Brought to you in part by Ponsai Digital Media with online strategy consulting and advising by sylviashneider.ca.
1: And this episode is also brought to you by you, our listeners, through your generous monthly support. Thank you for that support. Hi, I'm Sylvia Schneider. And I'm Diana Belbert. This episode will include... What do you do when?
0: For the herd. And now this, African horse sickness. Spring has sprung. Babies, anyone? And an interview with Heather Davis, founder and CEO of EquiHealth Canada. Hi, Diana. It's been a while. Hi, Sylvia.
2: It has.
0: (laughs) You know, I feel like it's easier to address our episode release gap when I start with what do you do when?
1: Okay, so tell me more.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, this will be I'm just going to let this be a stream of consciousness. So what do you (laughs) do when the world as you know it turns upside down? What do you do when you have all your interviews ready to go and when the world, as you know it, turns upside down, it doesn't seem appropriate to carry on with upbeat interviews about events that people can't even participate in until things get a little back to normal? What do you do when you thought you'd have more time for planning, but in fact, due to our upside-down world, everything is taking longer to do, and you're also spending a lot of time helping others cope with the fact that they are living in an upside-down world. What do you do when your alternate plan is to help listeners spend their time by planning live broadcasts they can indulge in with their time, but everyone you contact is having a very hard time getting back to you because their world is also upside-down? Oh, dear. (laughs) Do I sound a little frustrated?
1: Well, Sylvia, I think you're putting into words what many people are experiencing. But if I wanted to be funny, I would say, let's stand on our heads <laughs> oh, and get a better view of this upside down world. And really, you know, quite honestly, that's what we're all doing. We're uh, all standing on our heads to get things done. Right? I,
0: I'm glad that it's not just me. I, I'm really glad. And and I'm so thankful we were able to do a couple of live broadcasts in the group. And our guest interview for one of them is included in this episode.
1: Yeah, and it was very interesting to hear what was going on in other people's lives. When you were working on getting the interview that we've got today, you had to, you know, <laughs> uh get back and forth and back and forth with a lot of people and yeah. they ended up telling you what, you know, what was going on in their world.
0: Yes. And
1: why they really couldn't get together with with us, and and it was
0: fascinating. It was, yeah. They were trying really hard. Yeah, trying really hard. (laughs) Anyway, things are are not, we are not living in normal times, and I'm not sure what normal is now, or will be in the future. So anyway, you know, on a really difficult note to deal with, what do you do when the herd you have earns their keep by giving lessons, and suddenly, due to the pandemic and rules around it, the herd is out of job. People aren't the only ones losing their livelihood. When an equine loses their livelihood, the consequences are dire and some really difficult decisions are contemplated.
1: True enough. I can definitely identify with that.
0: Yeah. Well, to that end, an emergency GoFundMe has popped up for horses in Ontario in the form of uh, fortheherd.ca. So that's, www.fortheherd.ca. And it appears that if you're a barn owner and in need of assistance, you can register through a button on the bottom of that website. I don't know if there's an equivalent donation site for other provinces or states or countries. And if our listeners know, please share that information with us on our Equinely Inclined Facebook page because we would really like to know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it can't be the only one.
0: Ah, I'm sure it can't be, but it certainly is. I'm, I'm glad I stumbled across it, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, and speaking of stumbling across things, then there was the other bit of news I stumbled across regarding a new virus affecting horses in Thailand. AHS or African horse sickness, as they're calling it. And they're worried about the spread.
1: Yeah, so this disease has been around for a long time. Long, long time.
0: Has Back it been around a long, long time?
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. Back oh. in 19, I think, 70, you know, gosh, 61 to, I don't know, way back in the 1960s, there was a, a big influx of it around um, Spain and Portugal, okay, and they managed to get it under control. And it's kind of been not seen in a lot of places for a long time, except Africa. And this this is really sad. So you sent me the report from sciencemag.org, And I didn't know anything about it, but I started to read more.
0: And I I hadn't, I I hadn't delved into it any further than that. So obviously no, you just sent it to me because you,
1: you, you like to do that. You send me these links and I get to look into them. Right. And this is how we work. (laughs) Anyway, the last time we did this, it seems to me it was all about the eventing, making eventing paper. And that's fascinating. Yes. yes. Yes, I I love getting sent down these rabbit holes. So, This disease is carried by zebras and donkeys and some horses that have developed resistance. And Hmm. so they act as reservoirs for the disease, which is then spread by midges. So people up here in the north would know these midges as noceums.
0: Those little tiny biting things.
1: That's how tiny they are. And they're actually apparently an arthropod. Hmm. Hmm. They have hard shells, I guess. Anyway. Um, Thailand had a recent import of zebras, but they can't prove that they caused the outbreak because somehow the zebras were exempt from testing because of biosecurity loopholes in imports. So where they really carefully monitor every horse and donkey that comes in, apparently the zebras get away with it. so <sighs> so they've got now they have this disease and they have last report I saw, May the 5th or something, five, over 500 horses were dead.
0: Oh so, no. And so
1: there's no treatment except supportive care and it, it can result in a large number of deaths. It's it's pretty deadly disease. The different the good thing is the vaccine, they do have a vaccine, but the vaccine isn't ideal because it's a weakened <laughs> live vaccine. And right. so vaccinated horses can spread it. So what they say is, you know, when you vaccinate your horse, you have to put them in a in a netting an, in netted area yeah. where midges can't then spread it. So it doesn't spread horse to horse but it's it spread by midges or by biting insects. So, you know, other biting type flies can also do it. It could also be uh, a needle if it's gone from, you know, right. horse to horse or whatever, right? Yeah. So, unfortunately, Thailand has now lost its disease-free status with the World Organization for Animal Health. Ah. So that means that it has to halt its imports and exports of equine species, wild and domestic. Mm. And that, that's a huge blow to their industry. And yeah. it will take at least two years to apply for disease-free status again. So I, I checked with uh, the Canadian Inspection Agency. Uh, their, their report on it says uh, that we have no reported cases in Canada. I didn't check anywhere else. I just checked Canada. So right. we don't have it. We've probably never had it. Um, the other good news it's a, is it's not zoonotic. at at least not now
0: (laughs) so not not zoonotic and zoonotic means means that it
1: doesn't it doesn't people can't get it from their horses and they can't get it from the biting midges okay right so (laughs) it's not zoonotic it's not something you can get at least not now yeah so i think yeah thankfully um dogs can ingest infected meat and get sick but they also don't spread the disease they're not kind of a host right right but anyway terrible news for thailand and uh, hopefully they can catch it because the midges can also be windswept away to other territories and in fact yes. they're worried about it getting as far as australia
0: well it can, and that it can get into cargo cargo areas right i'm sure that it can probably uh, travel not, in cargo. well
1: mm, no. It, no no it's more no it would have to be like it can't they won't survive on infected hides or anything like that or on meat right I mean if a dog ate infected meat they get said the midges aren't going to spread it Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: that's not an issue but midges can be swept away by the wind into a new area and so it can move kind of from island to island to island and conceivably could end up in Australia so they're they're really working hard at putting a well they're working hard at putting a stop to it they're supplying nets or trying to supply nets but when you think about the number of people, poor people in Thailand that could be affected with their livelihood—that yes. use donkeys and horses for their livelihood—anyway, it's just a horrible thought. So, yeah. <sighs> well, maybe we should continue
0: on with more pleasant topics, Diana.
1: Please do. Yeah, it's okay.
0: <laughs> Spring has sprung, and in our neighborhood, it's been really pleasant this year. Thank heaven for small mercies.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasant, as in perfect working weather. I can attest to that because, as usual, I'm out working on fencing. It's a little on the cool side and a slight wind that feels like it's coming off a glacier.
0: <laughs> well, Diana, I just remember springs in the past that have been, have been so horrible, and the snow hasn't left, and and I've been, you know, praying for snow to go away. And I don't know. To me, it's been so much better than other springs. So. Um, oh, but really? you know, I seem t- to
1: remember the snow hanging around for a long time. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. You, you optimistic person, you. Okay, glass, moving on. Glass half full.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, that's me. Glass on the topic, half full. On the topic of spring, that usually signals babies of all types. So, are there any babies in your place at your place, Diana?
1: <laughs> well, no foals, but right. lots of lambs.
0: Yeah, and they're they're
1: so cute. Yeah, uh, yeah, and they're all re- you know we let them out into the yard to, for grass control, so we don't have to mow. Yeah. And the babies just run and leap all over the place. It's just so darn cute. How many? Yeah. And the geese. Oh gosh, I think nineteen right now. Oh wow! And and the and the geese are nesting, so everybody <laughs> that comes over here will be happy as happy as each to hear that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like we okay. need more
1: geese right <laughs>
0: <laughs> well when they're nesting they can be pretty nasty towards you if you get it eh, right true air, enough south, right? oh yeah
1: <laughs> i get to listen to them hiss at me every time i walk by
0: oh dear oh geese are good guard dogs but you know whatever yeah anyway yeah. I've I've only seen one or two foals this year um which is I find unusual but when when I went to the barn uh that I board at they aren't expecting any babies until June and so no, yeah, I guess there's so still... I don't
1: I don't really find that an unusual time
0: unless you're breeding
1: racehorses of course when you want them you know to be born in January um well... but uh You know, I personally didn't like getting foals before at least May. Like May, June, May was ideal. June was fine because of our weather. But then again, my babies were all born outside.
0: But May is typically the time when babies come. I mean, I know that our baby last year was late. She was due June 21st and was born June 6th. So that was good. But I guess last year was a very difficult year to breed horses because it was so cold and gloomy. The mares would come into season and the next day when they wanted to bring them to the stallion, they basically have shut down again. So apparently it was really hard to, uh, to find a mare that would take. Um, remember, we kept waiting for summer to come last year. Like there was, we just, we had maybe one good day of summer. So I guess whatever babies are coming are arriving quite late. And I'm wondering, actually, how that will affect the breeding season for this year.
1: So, yeah, I actually, I talked to my, uh, well, actually, to my niece who works with the vet. And Westwind is really busy with the breeding of performance mares. So with the show season postponed and possibly canceled, a lot of owners were choosing the option of breeding their mares. And that, that, of course, is an option if you have a mare and it's a nice mare.
0: Oh yeah, definitely that that would be one way to make the use of the time that you have available. And and I think it's important to emphasize the nice mare, uh, you know, a mare with all the characteristics and confirmation that make makes it a nice mare to breed. So uh, you're probably wondering why I'm emphasizing this. So just let me just say there's yeah, a Facebook I am. there's a Facebook group out there that's currently having a particularly bad time with people new to the equine industry looking to breed any equines they have just to try to earn a profit from them and that's not the way you do it folks you need to always be breeding for quality so
1: fair enough but you know as I said before people could accuse me of indiscriminate breeding because I was raising unregistered horses and ponies but they were mainly for my own riding program and we found them all good homes and it was not a money-making venture I don't oh. think
0: that that's, I, I don't think that registered horses is one of the uh, things that you would have to have in order to be breeding responsibly, as long as you have a well put together horse, you know, and maybe you're breeding for your own, like you're breeding for your lesson string. A lot of people are breeding just for family for passing a, a down to children and, and to relatives, mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. But as long as you're doing it responsibly. And I think that's the big important thing. For sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for our interview, Diana. Yay. (laughs) So this is our interview with Heather Davis, founder and CEO of Health Canada. Now, I think we should tell people why this interview starts out a little funny with a lot of laughter on my part.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Something about you have to hit the start button when you go
0: live. Oh, man. Yeah. New software. So we scheduled the broadcast, and when the counter ran down, I mistakenly thought we were live, so we started the interview, but then I realized, oh no, you have to push the go live button, so (laughs) so I was like, stop, stop, guys, stop. (laughs) At least you caught it fast. No kidding. (laughs) Lucky. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) indeed. So, um, Diana, do you realize we started our podcast at the same time they started EquiHealth? Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, okay. Uh, Let's have a listen. (laughs) Hi, Diana. (laughs) Hi, It's so nice to be uh, going live again. And um, getting in touch with our uh, listeners a little bit remotely. Usually we do this in the Facebook group. And this time we have done it uh, on the page as well. So I just thought uh, I would let people know a little bit about um, the fact that we're doing this. And and we have a special guest that we're inviting today. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about um, what we're doing, what we have in mind for today.
1: <laughs> sure. Okay. So... Um... Absolutely. Like right now at this time, anyone who does have horses knows that it's difficult. Um, There's not a lot of us that have easy access to our horses, quality time, particularly any time uh, (laughs) that we need to have. Like it's all very regimented.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: uh, you know, um, lessons are limited. Clinics are non-existent pretty much. the show season was canceled. I mean, it's a very difficult time for horse owners, and for those who are either have to isolate or are self-quarantining themselves in order to stay safe, um, it's also a challenge. So nobody living through this time really needs me to tell them all that,
0: right? But no, yeah. we're, all, we're all we're all trying to be productive with our time. Yeah. And keep our our minds away from everything else that's going on. So, <laughs> kind be more...
1: positive. Be kind yeah. to each other. All those lovely <laughs> things. So, yeah. So, um, we thought it might be a great time to learn more about how we can care for our horses and how to keep our horses safe. And to that end, we brought in a great guest
0: speaker. Right, and I think I will bring this speaker in right now.
2: <laughs> Hi, Hi Heather.
0: Hi, Heather.
2: How are you guys? Hey. Oh, good. We're good. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me today. <laughs> Thanks for so coming. Nice.
1: So nice of you to join us, Heather. And we can see from your screen that uh, the banner underneath it, that you are indeed the CEO of EquiHealth Canada. But I think there's more to it than that. Can you tell our our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into horses, where you grew up, that sort of thing?
2: I grew up in Calgary, uh, live not too far from there now, just uh, in Okotoks, which is a little bedroom community. And horses have always been part of my life. It was always a dad-daughter thing for me. Um, My my dad, who's co-founder with me, Ross McInnes, uh, he was a Calgary police officer, um, actually formerly um, RCMP Musical Ride, uh, an officer. But uh, so, you know, Long and my Grandpa was a custom uh, thresher with a team of, of Clydesdales. You know, horses have always been part of my history and and childhood. And my dad and I started working with horses that um, had either behavioral issues, generally related to pain, um, suspensory injuries, just horses needing rehab work. And that kind of set the groundwork for what we do now. So way back in, would have been 07, is when we really started teaching just our own people at our home ranch, um, basic first aid skills, and it kind of evolved from there. Wonderful.
1: So actually, in fact, your father probably pushed you towards doing this, I'm guessing.
2: 100%, and, and he's still a huge influence in, in my life, you know, around horses and, and just life in general. He's, a, he's an amazing person.
1: Oh, that is so awesome. So, wow. So you started it. So you've been a certified instructor with EquiHealth Canada. And uh, you have told us when it started way back in 2007. So this is, what, the 13th year of working this program. And it started right here in Canada, in Alberta. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how far has it spread out now?
2: Wow. Um, It it really took off. We, We used to run our programs under just our home ranch, Higher Trails. And you know, and then we started talking with um, two veterinarians that were very involved with what we were doing with our horses, uh, Dr. Brian Taylor and Dr. David Dempsey. And we worked for a couple of years to really evolve the program to have something that was um, well laid out, well presented, all the content that we felt or that they felt as veterinarians that average horse owners needed to know. And so that's kind of how it evolved then. We incorporated in 2011 as EquiHealth Canada, and since then we have added um, half-day programs, children's programs, um, advanced programs, wilderness programs, Disaster planning, safe trailering, just a number of them. We've got over 150 instructors across uh, Canada and the U.S. We have uh, one over in Australia even teaching our programs and another in France. So cool. it's really just the, the demand has been huge and, you know, the, the expansion has just naturally happened.
1: Oh, wonderful. So generally your courses started out by being taught hands-on in a stable yeah. environment, Right. So when did you begin the move to online courses?
2: It's only been during the COVID times. And it was actually a difficult decision because we really, we value what we teach. And we, you know, we know that people are generally tactile learners and and you develop that muscle memory when you're practicing bandaging or you're taking vital signs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, learning it online is not optimum but it's it's the best we can do and it was really important to us at Equal Health Canada to be able to reach the horse owner who's you know at home a lot of people can't see their horses but there are also a lot of people that own their own horses and it may not be easy to get to a vet you know especially if they're self-quarantining or they're in an area where a veterinarian is is you know six seven hours away um, a lot of places aren't even letting people in with their animals you have to stay outside so you know that's difficult so many for people reasons. so many reasons many. But, you
1: know uh, kudos to you guys for moving these online I work for a library as well and we've yeah. had to move all of our children's programming our adult services programming everything online and it's a huge learning curve too so more power to you um, thank you I wanted to start with uh, having you tell our listeners about the, the basic first aid program that you offer, and is it geared towards beginners, and what's covered?
2: You know, it's geared towards every level. You know, I've, I've met a couple of old cowboys along the way that said, ah, I know all that stuff, right? <laughs> and, I'll, and I challenge them. I say, I, I, I bet you I can teach you something new, or I'm going to give you your money back. And, you know, I find that I even learn something new every time I teach, You know, I'll pick up a little tip or trick from from somebody, you know, in my classroom, which, you know, is kind of the bonus for for what I do. But the basic it's it's a very thorough class. It's it comes with with all our classes come with a manual that you can take home for reference for, you know, God forbid something happened later. But we start our day, you know, just with covering the rules of first aid. Then we move into some demonstration work on conditioning a horse to accept treatment. I mean, the worst time to train them for treatment is when they need treatment, right? Right. Um, Proper vital signs techniques, you know. I've had the most experienced horse people in my classroom that have never taken the horse's temperature. So that makes them my volunteer for that demonstration. But uh, you know, just knowing what's normal and what's not normal, we do um, we de- demonstrations on pain source identification. Where is your horse hurting, particularly in the back? Uh, 80% of all horses operate under some level of pain. So if we can alleviate some of that, identify it and alleviate it before you ride, you're both going to have a much better ride. Uh, And then our afternoons are all hands-on scenarios. We're practicing bandaging, uh, working around eye injuries, um, hawk bandages, uh, practicing our vital signs. We are dealing with, you know, a variety of different things, temporary boots, abscesses. Um, We cover colic, choke, collapse, shock, um, all the hoof diseases that, you know, It's not necessarily emergency first day, but no hoof, no horse, right? We know that old saying. So, you know, we cover what to look for. So we want to give people the tools to A, have early intervention and know when to recognize when something's wrong and What can i do about it now while i'm waiting to see my veterinarian and the other part is you know with with the bandaging and and the different scenarios hands-on is like i said earlier developing that muscle memory so when something does go sideways you can kind of click into autopilot and not have to look up in a book on how to do things or check with dr google that's the worst thing you can do right so so that's it's a very thorough full full day and so for our online courses we've taken out obviously the hands-on component, mm. but we've kept all the theory in place. Okay. So people can come after we all open up again and take the hands-on component. Okay. Um, well,
1: so I'll come back to my thought that I had on that later, but what I wanted to ask you was, uh, I, I think that in talking to vets in the past, it's paramount that when you call a vet and it is an emergency situation, that you can really supply them with enough detail So that they know exactly what they're coming
2: to see. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, especially our mobile vets, you know, they only have so much in their vehicles. So, you know, if, if I call yelling and screaming, oh my gosh, you need to come out to higher trails, my horse is down. They have no idea what they're in for. Are they dealing with a colic? Do they have an impalement? Do they, you know, do I have a mare with, you know, difficulty foaling? They don't know. So A, you want to give them as much information about what's going on as possible. And if you can give them the vital signs, if you're dealing with something that might be like a colic situation, that is really helpful to them. And sometimes it can save you a buck because if you've got a great relationship with your vet, you might call and say, hey, this is what's going on. And these are his or her vital signs. They might direct you over the phone to do step A and then call them back. So it might save you a trip if you can give them enough information that they can give you those telephone directives. Um, and th- that does come with having a good relationship with your your vet and them knowing you and your horses. But, Absolutely. but yeah, other I mean- The
1: thing is too that, you know, I know the vets have said to me, if you can give me the vitals, then I don't have to rely on whether you are telling me, oh my gosh, my horse is dying, this is an emergency. Because the vitals tell them exactly what they're coming to look at. So they know absolutely. whether or not they
2: have to uh, jump out and speed to get yeah. there. Right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the vital signs, and and I, I really emphasize in my classes the importance of having that baseline for your horse. Yeah. Because there's that range. You know, we're looking at temperature in particular, you know, 99 and a half to 101 and is, a half is the general range of temperature. If you have a horse that's normally at ninety nine and a half, and you don't know that, you might take their temperature and it's one hundred one, and you think, "Oh, well, that's in the range of normal. That's not their normal." So yeah, you need think, to have that baseline for all your horses.
1: Yeah, and I think even more importantly, when I think about pulse rate, um, yes, if you're an athlete, and some horses are athletes, and some horses sure. aren't then your resting pulse rate is going to be hugely different. Sure it is. Yeah. So if they, if the vet doesn't have some idea then you know, someone can say, Oh, my horse is very fit. But if, if you've got, if you can say my horse normally has a resting pulse rate of this and at the moment it's this, yes. then if it's high, it might be, that high might be normal for yeah. a horse that isn't an athlete, but yeah, for a white
2: horse, it's off the charts. Yeah, it's distress, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so I think it's, uh, yeah, it, it really helps. And you know, how about the color of the gums? <laughs> you know? The capillary refill. Yeah. But without even the capillary refill, if you don't check your horse's mouth all the yeah. time and see what color their gums normally are, because that varies so much from horse to horse sure as does. well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when you look at it, you think, oh my God, they're purple. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and maybe they're not. They're just not as, pale as they normally are I don't know but but it becomes so important um, yeah to know those things and and even know the gait right that your horse normally has um, things like that so that's awesome I'm really happy to hear that so when you move on to the advanced first aid what kinds of things are you talking about and do you need to have the basic first aid as a prerequisite
2: we recommend you have the the basic as a prerequisite but i also know there's a lot of really experienced horse people out there so you know if you've got a lot of of background and you've done a lot of basic first aid already Mm hands-on then you can challenge that and and come and take our advanced the basic is on the premise that you are able to see a vet. So this is what's going on, but you're able to see a vet. So, you know, it's, it's taking care of the horse while you're waiting. Um, when we get into the advanced, it's really getting into where it, you will have catastrophic results if you don't intervene in that moment. So you might be out backcountry riding. And, you know, one of our scenarios is a horse with, with a stick, you know, this long impaled out of his, the side of, of his shoulder, You don't know what's going on on the inside. So how do you deal with that? Um, Poisonous plants and and dealing with with a horse that's been poisoned. Uh, Hypothermia, hyperthermia, um, you know, severe gut wounds. It's really getting into more the the gritty first aid as -hmm. as compared to the first aid, uh, the basic class. And how far away you are from help absolutely you know we've we've got a lot of you know there's a lot of people that are really fortunate myself included where you've got a vet within half an hour but a lot of our our clients you know they're in northern bc where you know or even people you know on newfoundland on the rock that you know they they have to go to the mainland to be able to see a vet they don't even have one on the rock so you know these are the people that really need to take our advanced in particular well both of them to, to be truthful um then you've got you're armed with knowledge and and knowledge is power.
1: Yeah, and I think too that that it's probably a good idea for anyone who's planning to go out on a trail because I'm sure the other thing you carry you talk about is what to carry.
2: Absolutely, yeah. In our in our advanced wilderness, you know, we've got a full listing of what you should have in your pack. Oh, that's a separate one. It is, yeah. So there's oh, the advanced; man. it's more geared to people that are more of the arena rider types, and then there's the advanced wilderness, and that's for our. our backcountry adventurers that are, you know, going off camping for three days with their horses and, you know, and and packs. Oh, right. So that's sort of, that's great.
1: And then you have another course that you alluded to earlier, you mentioned it, um, the emergency preparedness course yes. that so few people give a lot of thought to. Can you expand on that for us?
2: Absolutely, yeah, we, it was something that was always in the works and then a few years ago when they had all the uh, Ontario barn fires, we kind of pushed it um, forward a little quicker. And right after that Fort Mac happened and then the BC fires and the US fires and the 2013 floods. I mean, there's been so much. And so what we've put together is a really comprehensive program. Again, it's a combination of classroom and hands-on. And it is everything from barn fires to grass fires to when as a livestock owner, do you need to evacuate? It's not when they issue the order. Once they issue the order, your animals got to stay you got to go so you know that's a scary thing you know we love our horses we want to be able to keep them safe and that rcmp officer is going to be at your your gate saying nope leave the horses behind because the order's been issued so you know just talking about the different levels of evacuation alerts where do you even go you know you've got 10 horses maybe you got two trailers maybe you don't yeah we talk about everything from hunkering down in place so let's say there's a major blizzard or an ice storm and you're gonna you know stay home how are you getting food and water how much food and water do your animals need you know what do you have to have um planned and prepared for you know what types of fire extinguishers do you need to have in your in your barn you know there's five different types which one's best so we cover all that kind of stuff that you know we want people to really be prepared and unfortunately you know we don't have a lot of people taking this training right now it's and and I mean, the first slide I put up when I do teach this class or, or do public speaking about it is a guy with his head in the sand, because, you know, that, that's a lot of people that, you know, they're the attitude, it's not going to happen to me, yeah. you know, and then next thing oh, they know, they've got a me. grass fire. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So the other one that I absolutely love, and it, it follows it segues right into that is the first day the, the first responders themselves. And, yes, you know, what you can do for them so they don't put themselves in danger or our equine friends in danger. Exactly. And I believe you said, too, that, that it covers more than just horses. So, it does, yeah. yeah. I, we away. have a
2: we have a focus on the horse, uh, um, obviously, because we're Echo Health Canada. But we know that, you know, an officer or a firefighter that's arriving to, you know, a trailer crash on the highway or escaped livestock or a barn fire, you know, they could be... It could be horses, pigs, chickens, whatever, we, we cover it all, you know, we've got um, the typical behaviors of the different types of animals, you know, how, how it is, you know, to try to, to move them, pigs are very different from horses. So, you know, we cover all of that. Um, we talk about just being safe around, around horses, how, how to bas- basically halter a horse, you know, a lot of these um, first responders, they've got great experience in their field, but not necessarily with with large animals. So, you know, if we can give them the tools to be able to arrive on scene and, and have that basic knowledge of how to be safe around a horse, then, you know, they're more likely to, to be safe, keep the public safe and keep that animal safe and alive.
1: Excellent. So um, some of the other courses that I'm sure we've missed, is there a long,
2: long list or can you- No, there's can not, not a long, long list. So we have a, we have a safe trailering practices course oh, right which on. which is a really good one and you know it covers you know it's not just what kind of trailer do you have to buy based on how big your horse is but you know the different the angle haul versus the straight haul how does how does that affect your horse um, from a first aid perspective too you know they they have to stand differently their head might be higher or lower in different types of trailers um, how to safely load do you tie do you not tie um, how to check to see you know if your truck is is capable of pulling your trailer loaded with your horses so a lot of people don't know how to read those stickers on their vehicles or on on the trailer and they end up you know having trouble with something Um, just basic safety checks as well the difference between aluminum and and steel I mean it's it's another full day of hands-on training but as if anybody's hauling it's worthwhile Yes,
1: how long can you trailer before you give them a break? All, all Exactly, things. all
2: the, all of the manifest protocols, all that stuff. And then yeah. the other two programs we have are just little half-dayers. We've got a First Aid Fundamentals, and that's 100% hands-on. And it is just, you know, there's no PowerPoint, there's no nothing. It's just, you know, covering the basic life-saving stuff that everybody needs to know. And it's about four hours. And then we've got a really popular kids program. This is a little book. It's called I Can yeah. Help and uh it's um very popular with like the gym and the 4-h kids and it's three hours all hands-on and so they get to bandage and and learn vitals and and learn you know just when to tell a grown-up if they recognize that something's not right with their horse so it's it's a lot of fun to teach the little guys you just have to really watch your supplies because they They wrap the horses like they're shipping them across (laughs) the world. So you go through a little bit of that wrap.
1: (laughs) Awesome. So now when you talk about uh, being certified to teach these programs, what do people need to go through to be certified to teach?
2: We have an instructor training program. So um, we've got 14 affiliates across Canada and the U.S. that do uh, the instructor training. And we actually um, are just, I'm glad you asked me that, because we're just launching a scholarship program. Oh For people, yeah, we're we're putting out 15 scholarships. So people that'll be starting June 1st, and anyone that's interested in becoming an instructor, uh, you know, you have to be very experienced with horses. You can't be afraid of their feet or or walking around them, touching them. <laughs> you, you know, you'd be surprised, right? Um, you know, you have to be comfortable with people because you are up in front of a crowd, and you know, often you have some very experienced people in your classroom. You know, I, we've had veterinarians take it, farriers, vet techs. And so you can't be intimidated by that. You need to be confident and, and know your program. And, okay. you know, it's it's three very intense days there's pre reading, pre study, and then three very intense days of hands on. And, you know, and, and we're always recruiting um, experienced and then course, course they people. They'll pass the test. Yes, they do. <laughs> and if not, they'll be taking that course again. <laughs> they will indeed. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, um, now let's maybe talk about, aside from gaining great knowledge, are there other benefits from taking the Health Canada course?
2: Well, I mean, knowledge is definitely the, the main thing, right? And, and you know, a lot of people talk to me about the confidence they get, but we we're also eligible for a number of different CE credits. So if you are a coach with Equestria in Canada, um, our classes are eligible for CE or coaching credits there. Um, we're eligible for insurance discounts for equine mortality. Um, I can't give you a specific number because if you've had seven call it claims in the last year, they're not going to yeah. give you any discount, <laughs> right? But, uh, you know, it's most insurance companies, when you show them that you've taken the equine first aid uh, program, they'll, they'll give you a, a knock on your insurance policy. Um, the various provincial and state associations for veterinary technicians, they always have to get CE credits so we can provide those. Um, the various high school ag programs. So in Alberta here, it's the green program. The kids can get credit for that. Um, EGALA, the International Association of um, Animal Behavior Consultants offer credits for our courses. So, you know, there's a lot of benefit depending on where you're at, you know, in in different different interests or modalities that you can take the class, take a day and and we'll sign your paperwork and, and you've got some CE credits. And there you go.
1: And then let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the benefits to stables.
2: Yeah, you know, we we launched a program last year called uh, Certified Safe, and so any stable that is um, taking and has somebody that works there that's attending the basic first aid, the advanced first aid, and the disaster planning, because that gives us a chance to go in and, and make sure that your facility is safe. Then they get their certificate of. Be called certified safe and a listing on our website um, directly that just stays there. They can, you know, send their links and everything into us, but you know, it allows people that are horse owners or horse boarders to know that the facility that they're putting their horse in, they've got that basic first aid training. They've got, you know, they've had the inspection, they've had the disaster training, so you can feel safer putting your horse in that facility. And, And as a boarding barn or a facility owner, I want to know that I have that knowledge. You know, I I want to know that my place is safe for my own horses and my own clients. So, you know, it's definitely a benefit to to have those three courses if you are a facility owner.
1: Now, if you do have a facility and you choose to host uh, a program, um, Mm -hmm. it seems to me there'd be a huge benefit to having your boarders take part in a course like this, because then you will have more eyes on the ground.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we've had people take it that say, you know, I'm so tired of the, you know, all the silly phone calls, you know, that they get all the time. So it's definitely a a benefit to the border or to, yeah, to have your boarders take it at at your barn for sure. And anybody, you know, we, we don't need a fancy facility to teach. You know, one of my favorite classes that I taught, it was like in a little horse shelter in coots alberta right at the montana border there and it was a a group of 4-h kids and you know it was pouring rain outside but we're warm in our little shelter and you know they'd wheel in a little fire pit and we'd roast hot dogs (laughs) in the breaks you know and it it was great fun And, and we just you know we don't need something fancy it doesn't have to be a big barn you know as long as we can get it out of the elements we're good to go oh that
1: sounds that sounds so awesome So what does someone need to, um, what they have to do or what do they need if they're interested in taking one of these
2: courses, how do they go about it? So we list all our courses on our website and so it's updated weekly and obviously right now we're kind of just, you know, we're just starting in some areas to get into the in-person teaching again. So, you know, we've got some listings for June but you can just go on the website and if you don't find one in your area, contact uh, Canada at gmail.com or, or hit me up on my cell, which is 403-700-9152. And, you know, I can put you in touch with an instructor in your area and we can see what we can find for you. You know, our instructors are so flexible. They're all willing to travel. They love teaching. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to, do, to set up for you.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Um, the last thing I would like to have you
2: address for our listeners is cost. Ah, yeah. So our full day courses are $159. And that includes um, your instructor, all the teaching materials, so vet wrap bandaging, all that fun stuff, um, your take home manual, and you get a certificate of completion. And we also send you home with a vital signs card that has your abnormal and normal rates for your heart rate temp, all that stuff, um, which is great, because sometimes, you know, it's hard to remember what the what the pulse should be or what the respiration should be when you're in a <laughs> worry situation right so yeah. um and yeah it's it's a very full fun day and then our half day classes our fundamentals is 89 and our kids program is 59. dollars. oh great
1: and what about the mm. online courses the
2: online is 79.50 um because it's basically half of what you normally get so it's half the cost and then we encourage people afterwards to to come and take the hands-on when, when we're all reopened.
1: And would the hands-on be a little bit different then and a little less than it would normally be? If you Yeah, it, it would be
2: a half-day class and then it would be the other half, the, the seventy nine fifty oh, for that
1: one. That's excellent. That's excellent. What a way to do this. That's awesome. <laughs> um, can't thank you enough, Heather, for letting people know more about this. It's such a valuable service to provide.
2: We think so, you know, and, and I'll tell you, the biggest paychecks we get... Uh, you know, is when somebody says, "Oh my gosh, you know, I took your class and my horse is alive today because of it." I call that my big payday. So I, you know, I appreciate you ladies bringing me on here and giving me the opportunity to talk about our programs because you know, we have a really amazing group of people working here, and uh, we're also passionate about the health of the horse.
1: And I'm sure you would get lots of applause from all the vets around. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. They're very appreciative of what we you do. You are going to make our job so much easier. 100%. <laughs> oh.
2: That's I just
0: awesome. I just wanted to ask a question. So so yeah. you guys are in uh, Canada, the USA, do I also understand you're in Australia?
2: Yeah, we have one instructor over in Australia. We call him Aussie Nick. Uh, <laughs> he's he's a wonderful wonderful young man and uh, he teaches out of out of Australia there and travels around and, and does quite a lot of good
0: work there. And, and then France. there's a few other places, France, yeah.
2: We do have a lady in France. Yeah. She uh that was fun trying to get to our Quebec translation over to France French, but uh <laughs> that was a challenge. But yeah, she's she's over there teaching and and we've had interest from from, you know, Wales and, and all over the place. We have a lot of people, you know, wanting to take our programs. So, you know, when the borders open up again, they tend to travel here, take it and, and bring it home.
0: Perfect. That's great. We have we have listeners from everywhere, Heather. So um, wonderful when this when this, uh, when this goes into the podcast episode and goes out on a to a broader audience, um, a lot of people will probably hear about it. I hope that you get lots of questions.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Sylvia and Diana. It's been awesome being here. Yeah, we'll and, have to see too if there isn't some staples in
1: our area. I could I could think of one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so here, the best
1: where we could maybe get together and, and uh, host a program yeah.
0: so the best place to uh, to be in touch with you then is aside from your phone number is for people to go to the Equahealth website yeah it's just
2: www.equahealthcanada.com no spaces or dashes
0: okay and
2: uh and you know our facebook page is easy to find too so it's just at
0: equi canada okay that's great Thank you so much for uh, coming on today. My pleasure. We'll have to meet your father someday too. I would love
2: that. He would love that.
0: Yeah, that would be great.
2: Yeah, my folks are great people. Great influences.
0: (laughs) Okay. Thanks so much, Heather.
1: Take care, guys. Thanks. I think it's great that you get continuing education credits by taking their course and so many other benefits too.
0: Yeah, that's that's for sure. And, and I love that she says to the seasoned cowboys that she can teach them something new or she'll give them their money back. <laughs> I noticed on their website they have a comment from a guy saying he thought he was a pretty savvy horse person, but he learned so many great tips and tricks that he feels so much more confident in the care of his horse.
1: <laughs> well, we can and should all learn something new if we're willing.
0: <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I, we definitely need to be open-minded and always willing to learn. You know, it's yeah. it's funny. It's funny that she said the worst time to get them to accept treatment is when they need treatment. It, it's, I mean, that's true. <laughs> but like, I had a young mare that needed to have care on her leg, and she and I became quite bonded over the whole experience because she eventually realized I was helping her.
1: Yeah, and the key word there, Sylvia, is eventually.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry. But I remember working with a yearling with an eye problem too, and he ended up really well broke on one side.
0: Oh no <laughs> yeah I thought it was I thought it was really interesting about the muscle memory Heather talked about, and I realize now that it's really obvious when I need to wrap legs, and I'm so clumsy about it, and I know you've looked at me at times and said, "Sylvia, you know how to wrap legs
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, I still have problems finding the pulse under the jaw (laughs) when I go to show someone else yeah you know what yeah no where did that go (laughs) where's that vein uh anyway unfortunately and I guess it would be an artery not a vein (laughs) anyway unfortunately without practice you know the horses lose that muscle memory too
0: right so if you don't practice these things all the time yeah it's true it's it's good to work around your horses and and take note of all those things that they were talking about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you know, I think keep my
1: used to being worked.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my biggest takeaway was that I was stunned by the fact that if you've been given the order to leave your property in an emergency situation, you have to leave all your animals behind. I I would never have realized that unless I heard that from Heather. And that would be heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, and I'm just, you know, I'm thinking about that and thinking over my dead body yeah anyway uh which is no doubt why you hear horses the stories of horses simply being turned loose they just leave the gate open rather than fence them in when there's a fire yeah right because they wouldn't have a hope
0: right or maybe maybe that's that's maybe that's why they ride them down the road and and (laughs) leave with them right
1: yes because you can't take my source of transportation away from me (laughs) oh dear anyway I guess the problem becomes when you have a, a large herd and a small trailer.
0: Right? Yes, yeah. So,
1: I mean, they would have a hard time stopping you if you hooked up your trailer and had four horses Yeah, and you left with them. They would have a yeah. hard time stopping you from doing that. But the simple fact of the matter is, yeah, you need to be prepared. That's yeah. the moral of
0: this story. Mm-hmm. And I ha- I just have to say, I love that they have the kids program and the name I Can Help is so precious. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's I can all, help. <laughs> yeah. It's also important for people to know that the prices mentioned are in Canadian dollars. So if those oh, prices good. were in USD, um, they'd be a lot more expensive for our, us Canadians. And they're a lot more reasonably priced for people in the USA. So That's right. Yeah. Well,
1: but I mean, they, they have EquiHealth in the states too. And they probably have their own dollar figure down there.
0: Oh, maybe. I don't know. It wasn't on the website. So that's one of the things people can contact the website and find out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. No matter what, they're worth it.
0: It's true. Yeah.
1: Well, I guess this is... You know, that just reminds me too, Sylvia, I'm just going to say this. Yeah. Last year, one of my friends uh, had taken that course and we tried to, we were going to try and set something up. And it just didn't pan out at that time. So hopefully when things uh, loosen up a little bit, I'll be able to get Caitlin over here. Oh. She's still doing it apparently. So yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Maybe we can do a live. <laughs> oh, that would right be Right there really. in the barn with her.
0: That'd be that would fun. be really. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. Cool. Moving on.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Well, you know, and this would be a good time, I think, to remind people that uh, – and especially if you listen to the last episode, you'll know this that I set up a special limited time coupon for our exclusive equine content vault. And what it includes is a free first month using the following code, which expires June 30th, 2020. And the code is stay at home 2020. So that's all caps, stay at home, and then the numerals, like the year 2020. Um, So stay at home 2020 and it's hours of listening offered free for a limited amount of time. So, uh, people, I recommend you jump on that. And I have it posted on the equinely inclined Facebook page. It's already been posted in the equine podcast companion group. If you have trouble finding it, just message the page and let us know.
1: You know, and I'm thinking that a related episode to this one would be, um, Episode 151 with Rebecca Heminen from oh, yes. the Technical Large Animal Equine Rescue. So yeah. is that episode available?
0: You know what? That episode isn't uh, available in the podcast stream because I had to cut a, a lot of episodes off the stream. And I haven't got it into the vault yet. So it's kind of in limbo. But if you uh, think that it's one that you want to hear and you take advantage of the, um, the free offer, and make sure to ask about it. I'll make sure I get it in there. Oh, fair enough. hmm Well, you know, this is the place where we often talk about new events coming up. And now I'm really not sure what's going on and what isn't because things with this pandemic are changing. And a lot of horse people are trying to do events online. So I think my best suggestion would be to look at Facebook, click on the events and search for horse events in your location and see if the events are actually going on or if they're online or just what they are.
1: Well, and we do want to do more live streaming events in our Facebook group. (laughs)
0: yes as long as I can get people and contact people and hear back from people but yeah and it would be great if you would go to the page join the group let us know what you would like to hear about in our live streaming events and I strongly feel we should somehow celebrate our 200th episode it's a nice milestone accomplishment well hey let's let's just uh, stick around after the show here and we'll share a glass of wine online That is a great idea. I do want to have a bigger celebration eventually, but that's a heck of a great start.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm in on that. I'm ready (laughs) to go. How can our listeners find this group?
0: Well, to join the group, go to the page at facebook.com slash equinely inclined and click on visit group located at the top right of the page on desktop. And you can't really miss it on mobile. It's right there answer the questions, please. We're actually not accepting anyone in to the group who doesn't take the time to answer the questions. Yeah, you bet. And (laughs) after you answer the questions, we'll see you on the inside.
1: And if you're not on Facebook, please let us know what your favorite social media platform is. You can reach us by email at podcast at CanadaEcoin.com. Hey, did you know that when you like our page, you'll hear your name? when we welcome you at this
0: spot in our next episode. Yeah, we always like to welcome our newest visitors to the Equinely Inclined Facebook page. So while you're at the page, click the like button and we'll welcome you here in the next episode. And speaking of which, right now,
1: we'd like to give a big welcome to Rose from Florence, South Carolina.
0: Catherine from Pleasant Hill, Missouri. Laura from Acton, Ontario. Heather from Calgary, Alberta and Natalie from Ottawa, Ontario. Welcome, everyone. Yes, welcome, everyone. So I don't even want to say when our next episode might be out. I, I just think we're going to do the best we can while dealing with this pandemic. And if people want to be more connected with us, I strongly recommend that they like and follow the page and join the group for some extras. Sounds good to me. And we'd love to hear from our listeners as to what they would like to hear in some live broadcasts and in future episodes.
1: Can we ask them to share foal
0: pictures with us? Oh, yes. Who doesn't like foal pictures? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as always, if you're one of those horse-obsessed people, or if you know a horse-obsessed person who doesn't know how to fill that horseless void, let us know. We want to help. Hey, you know, someone questioned the term horse-crazy the other day and said there must be a nicer way to say it. So what do you hear most often? Horse-crazy? or horse-obsessed? Let us know.
1: (laughs) Okay then, and please find someone
0: new to introduce to the world of horses. So until our next episode, bye from Sylvia Schneider, and Diana Belber, and give your horses big hugs for us.